You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Humanize Me. I'm Bart Campolo. This is my podcast, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to apologize for how long it's been between episodes. I probably should. I've broken promises. I've let people down. I know it. But the truth is, I'm doing the best I can. I am overwhelmed right now. I guess it's just a result of the word getting out about what we're working on here. But man, I get a lot of emails these days, get a lot of phone calls, got a lot of people coming to see me. And I, you know, I think I'm doing pretty well in, in, in the one-on-one. Like I think in the moment, whoever's in front of me, I'm, I'm listening and I'm present. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm giving the best that I've got intellectually and emotionally to those, that person. But collectively, if you put it all together, I am not, as a public persona, I am not keeping up. That with the, just the sheer volume of it all and stuff is, is getting let go. And this podcast, because it's just me doing it and I don't have anyone helping me, it's the, it's the thing that lets slide. And I feel really bad about that, but I, I, I'm not going to apologize because like I'm doing the best I can. I mean, I, I just had another email deal where a, somebody wrote me an email today and said, Hey, I've been trying to get in touch with you for a month and you just never write back. And that's not like me. I try really hard to, to, to respond to people. And so I go looking in my spam box and sure enough, there's the original email from this person that came in off the website and there's 20 more just like it, you know, whole letters from people telling like important things about their lives. And I just haven't responded at all because I didn't see them. I don't know what's going on there. So why some of them come in right. And some of them go to the spam box, but I spend the afternoon writing apologetic emails to people. I wish that there was some way that I could translate all the goodwill that I get through people writing nice emails and encouraging emails and saying like, I'd love to help. I'd love to help. But like they're in Poughkeepsie or they're in Saskatchewan or someplace. And what I really need is like a human body right here to kind of look at across the table and go like, you do this. I'll do that. I'll see you in five minutes. And I just don't have a team right now. I don't have a partner. I don't even have, I don't have an assistant. I don't have anybody. And I like, I'm not trying to complain, but like, I'm trying to explain maybe, um, you know, like this book thing came out. My book came out three weeks ago, the book with my dad, why I left, why I stayed. And people are writing me now and saying, Hey, really love the book. This is what was helpful to me about it. Or, and they say, how's it, how's it doing? And I'm like, I got no idea. But what I do know is, is that I'm the one who's supposed to be promoting it right now. And I, I haven't done a thing to kind of self-promote right now. And so, I mean, if you read the book, yeah, go ahead. Put a review up on Amazon. And maybe you can bury the guys that are reviewing it now because there's one guy who wrote a review and said, this is why I'm so disappointed in this book. And I mean, he kind of had a point, to be honest with you, because he was looking for a cutting-edge debate on the, the... the significance of Christianity. And that's just not what my dad and I did. It's much more of a conversation. Yeah, I mean, like, again, like I'm not, compl- when I say I'm not complaining, I mean, like the work at USC, unbelievable right now. The students 
are, are so great. And the fellowship there, what's happening is not just growing by numbers because kids are, they're bringing their friends and people are digging it and people are feeling like this is a group that really inspires them to be to, to, to live a better life and, and makes their life better. And so there's a lot of enthusiasm there. But it's not just that the group is growing by numbers. It's just I'm watching them figure out what fellowship really is. I mean, what it means to support each other and to show interest in, in the new person and to try to make them feel welcome and then to kind of learn how to resolve conflicts in the group and where how, how to play to each other's strengths in terms of putting together events and putting and, and, and making things happen for each other. I mean, they're doing this thing next month. It's, it's a porn panel and it's really cool. Like what they're doing is basically bringing a professor who's an expert in online sexuality, another professor who's an expert in kind of the, the sex workers, labor exploitation issues, and a therapist who talks about how pornography actually functions in relationships and where it helps and, and where it can be harmful and what the dangers are and what the possibilities are. And they're going to have, they're going to throw out all this data and have this kind of great conversation and then take a bunch of questions. And the idea is not to have a panel like, porn is so terrible and you, you should never use it. And it's, it's, it's demeaning. And also not to have a panel that goes, porn's awesome, man. Like, where do we get the more? But rather to say, look, everybody's consuming this stuff on our campus and nobody's having a conversation about how to make it work. How, like how to use pornography in your life to have better relationships and to work for social justice and to cultivate a sense of wonder. And you say, oh, there's no positive use of porn. Well, listen, I'm telling you, I've talked to these professors. There are. And, and, and you say, well, all the, all the workers are exploited. That's not true. That's not true. There's a lot of exploitation, but there's also a lot of empowerment. And, you know, this the, 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 the Heather Berg, the professor who is coming, she said, listen, it is so demeaning the way people talk about performers as though they are all forced into it. It's not true at all. And as though they can't control their own fate or they can't organize or they can't control their own um their own economies. They, they, you know, there's a lot stacked against them, but there's, there's a tremendous amount of dignity in the organizing of these folks. And so it's, I'm just so excited. I'm just so proud of the students for sort of going like, Hey, for us, humanism is about like setting out what we care about and then using science and using reason and using logic to pursue our values. Those are not our values. Those are the tools that we use to pursue our values. And we want to set an example for the campus of what it means to kind of put science and reason and logic in the service of love and in the service of justice and in the service of a better life. So I, yeah, they, like, do I seem turned on? I'm very turned on by these students. But I got to tell you, the more of them that come, the more they're like, hey, let's get coffee. Hey, we should hang out. Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And again, like I'm, I feel great when I'm doing it in each individual encounter. I am so stoked. But then at the end of the day, I think like, damn, I should have done a podcast or boy, I didn't write anything today or, you know, I just, nah, I just can't keep up. And I mean, it doesn't help. I mean, that my daughter's getting married next month. I mean, that does help actually, because it's like a joyful, wonderful thing. My daughter, my daughter Miranda is marrying my future son-in-law, Tyler. And I even hate to call him my future son-in-law. I, I just want to call him my son because he, he's been around for like five years. 
He's part of the family. He's tight with my son, Roman. He's tight with Marty and me. And most of all, I mean, when you see him and Miranda together, the two of them are just so doggone nice to each other and supportive of each other and positive about each other that over the last five years, I mean, I've just watched her flower in this relationship and her confidence and her sense of herself and her ability to kind of be, be just joyful to other people because she's so secure in this relationship and, and him too. Like when I first met him, he was a young kind of headstrong college kid. And I'm not saying like he is the sage wise man of the universe, but boy, I just watched him grow and mature and, and become more confident and develop a sense of future. I mean, he's going to be a, a teacher and a basketball coach. He's a brilliant basketball player, but I think he's going to be even a better coach because he just is so enthusiastic, not just about the game, but about the kids. And I, I just throw, as, as you watch him develop, I just think, man, that is the mark of a good relationship when these people are making each other better this way. I mean, the good news is I, I get to actually perform the ceremony. I can do that. Um, I'm an ordained minister in that way and uh you know i've done a lot of weddings but this is the one i think i'm i'm most excited about i'm i, I just yeah it's just but you know but you're you're running buying dresses and getting flowers ordered and and you're doing all the stuff like we're all pitching in on this thing and uh so yeah so like so i didn't do the podcast i've got this thing i want to talk to you about i've got this idea and um what I'm going to do is like, I, I know that like there's supposed to be an intro and then like I usually go to my interview and there's no interview this one, on this one because I just want to share this one idea. For the past two months, I've been getting letters from people saying that community you talk about at USC sounds terrific. I wish I could be part of something like that, but I live in Boise, Idaho or, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio or, you know, Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and there's nothing like that here. And I, I've checked things out. I've gone to this club or that meetup group, and they just haven't been that kind of warm, positive vibe that you're always talking about. And I, you know, what do I do? And a, a number of these people I've ended up in in kind of coaching relationships with and what's funny is is that we for a while there they're looking and they're trying and then we usually come to the conclusion you know what there's not going to be a fellowship like that unless you start it and so i'm getting emails and phone calls from people all the time saying how do i start a group how do i if there's no fellowship for me how do i make it happen and so what i've decided to do um, and I guess this one will sort of be the first one, but they'll get more formal as we go on. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the regular podcast where we have interviews and where we talk about cool stuff, but then I'm going to do a special series of sort of bonus podcasts where step-by-step step we talk about how you build one of these communities. Um, and not how you start like the 300 person Sunday assembly, you know, extravaganza with a rock and roll band. Um, I mean, there are, th th that's great stuff, those oasis things, and, and people are doing these things, those ethical societies, and all the different things that people are doing out there. I, like, if you can pull that off, terrific. But for most people, what they're really looking for is something maybe a little more personal 
and, and maybe just something a little bit more doable within the context of a regular work in life. So that's what, that's what I want to talk about. And, and so I'm like, you say, well, what's the first step in that kind of thing? And I, and what I want to say is, is that the first step is simply to picture it. Before you can make anything happen, you've got to, you got to use your imagination a little bit. You got to sit down and go, what do I want? What would I, what do I want? What, what would, a, if, if something existed, if I could walk in the door of anything, what would I want to walk in the door of? You got to picture it. Like where would people be sitting? What kinds of things would they talk about? What day of the week would it be? Um, who, who would start it off? Would there be food there? Um, what about little kids? Would they be in the room or would they be like being babysat somewhere upstairs? Um, you know, what do you got in mind here? A lot for a lot of people, especially people that come out of, um, kind of church backgrounds, what they're thinking is like, I, I think I want something that's sort of like a Bible study. Something that's like a small, something somewhere between a Bible study and a small group. Um, and what they mean by that is a group of people that get together once a week, you know, five, six, eight, ten people, usually not more than 15 people and sit around in somebody's house. And, and, and you know, in the old Bible study format, you know, you'd actually have a passage of scripture and you'd read it and somebody would say something about it. And then people would talk about what they what it meant to them and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, in, in a classical Bible study, what people would do is they would always then be like, and how can we apply this in our everyday life? And you know what I think most secular humanists want is they want to get together with a group of people where there's a clear understanding that like what we're doing is we're getting together to help each other be better, to help each other be better husbands and wives and better friends and better parents and better kids, better workers, better citizens. You know, that, that, we, that we, want to, we want to help each other pursue goodness in a secular way. And so the difference is, is that you say, like, but, but what's the text? And I think for, for, for most of us, the text is anything. It's any book that we read that has value. It's any article that we see. It's any podcast that we listen to. It's any, you know, kind of strong voice, like some story that we're told that resonates with us. The text can be anything. It's, the text itself doesn't have any authority except that which we give to it if we if we find it credible. And so the idea is like many of us would love to be in a group where we got together and somebody pulled something out and said, Hey, what we're going to talk about this week is this article, or here's a passage that I read in the newspaper, or here's this thing. And here's what it's making me think. And then in the same way, after, as we talk about what it means and what, what we understand it, sort of tease it out a little bit. And then the question comes, okay, how can we use that information or that idea in our own lives. How do we apply it? And you see, I think that that's what people want to do is they want to get together with some people and talk honestly about their lives. I mean, that's with, with, with like-minded people. 
with people who they don't want to spend every time talking about what they believe. Oh, this is what I think about God. This is what I think about God. No, no. They're like, I want to get to go to a bunch of people that already, we already believe the same stuff on the, on the ground rules. And the question isn't what do we believe or what are our values? The question is, how are you doing this week? How are we pursuing them? Is there anything new that we could add here? Can we help each other out in, in figuring out how to live out our values? And so you say like, but I don't even know who's going to be in Where would I even find people? And I'm going to tell you that the way to find people is not to make a poster and hang it on the wall somewhere. It's not to put out a, a, a meetup group because the problem is you'll, you'll invariably people will read your, your flyer differently and they'll come with 87 different in, in, expectations and they won't know each other. And, and, and that's sort of an inorganic way to start. So you say, well, how do you start? Well, this, this, my friends, is the grand insight of the day. If you want to have that kind of fellowship, whether you're a leader or not a leader, what you want to start doing is talking about it. Just, just saying to people, and not even necessarily people you think would want to be in it. Say, you know, if somebody says to you like, so what's going on in your life? You're like, well, you know, I, you know, we went on vacation here and I did this and the work's going good. And you know, I've got this idea in my mind. There's this thing I'm thinking about trying that I want, I want to see happen. I'm not sure if I'm the guy to start it or I'm the woman to start it, but like, I really want a fellowship group. So what's that? And you sort of describe it for them and you say, well, Why? And the answer is every time you talk about what you're interested in, you're going to see it through another person's eyes and that's going to shape your vision. But also that person may say, oh gosh, it's funny. I know somebody who'd be interested in that. Not me. I mean, I go to the first Baptist church, but I know somebody who I think would really be into that. Have you ever thought about talking to, you know, to Joey or Jaime or Marianne, you know, like, because people know people. And you, you, your, your network isn't just the people who think like you. It's the people who know people who think like you that you might not even know. And so the first step in this is not to print up a poster or invite a bunch of people. Or, like, you got to let this stuff ferment. You got to let it air. You got you to speak it into existence. You got to have a bunch of conversations where you're just sort of spitballing what, what it might be like and when it might happen and who might be interested that's the first step is to dream and to talk and to listen and to swat around the idea of like, what would it look like if we had a little house group? What would it look like if we got together once a week to help each other grow, to help each other pursue life? And, and, and I may have to do a whole podcast about the first step again this may not be good enough but like this is me throwing something out there and asking you like feedback if you go like yeah that's what i'm talking about bart like i want us to have this kind of conversation on the podcast that's what these bonus episodes are going to be about but there's a second reason i want you to start talking about the fellowship that you want to be part of and that is because i want to stop you people from having unpleasant conversations where you sit down with Christians and you tell them what you don't believe in anymore. Or when you tell them like, ta-da, I'm not a Christian. I wanted to tell you that I'm not a Christian anymore, that I've deconverted or whatever, however you phrase it. 
what I am learning, and I mean, I've been coaching and counseling a lot of people, and, and, and the last few weeks, I've thrown this out there to some people, and every time I do, the person goes, oh, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. This is perfect. And here's the thing. When it comes to telling Christian people or believers of any kind about the change in your life, here's the big suggestion. Don't make the conversation about what you don't believe. Don't make that the subject of the conversation. Instead, make, make it the reason for something else you're doing that's what you're really talking about. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. Like, for instance, let's just say you decide you're going to take karate lessons. Um, you're 67 years old and you decide you're going to take karate lessons. Somebody says, why are you going to take karate? You go like, I don't know. I've always thought it would be fun. You could say that or you could tell them the truth. And that is, you know what? I'm thinking about taking karate lessons because, you know, the, the longer I'm alive, the more convinced I've become that I think this life is all we get. I think this life is all I've got. And I really want to make the most of it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just just mail it in and so this is for me taking these lessons is part of me sort of trying to make the most of this life because I'm pretty sure it's the only one I have do you see how that kind of gets slipped in there we're, we're really talking about karate lessons and my my loss of faith becomes or maybe or my embrace of finitude becomes the reason that I'm doing this other thing not what I want to talk to you about I think that when you set up a conversation to tell somebody what you believe. There's almost no way you can, you can do that without it being creepy. It's cre it was always creepy when evangelicals did it to us. When I was an evangelical and I did it to other people, it was creepy. Like there's something about that. Like, I want to tell you what I believe. But I think in the course of every diet life, we, we often talk about what we're doing or what we're thinking. Like even this thing, even this thing about starting a group, like if you were sitting talking with your spouse or you were talking with some guy at a bar or, or somebody at work and they said, so what are you, what are you working on? He says, what's going on in your life? He said, well, you know, I'm thinking about starting this group, you know, because I'm pretty, you know, I, I've over the years, I've, I've sort of become increasingly secular. But I still have all these eyes, and, and, and I, I just want to get together with some people who also don't believe in God and try to figure out how we can pursue goodness together. Like, I, I guess I want to be part of a fellowship that isn't built around believing in God because I can't do that anymore. And you say, well, what's the difference? Either way, they know that you don't believe in God anymore. And I'm telling you, there's a huge difference when you tell somebody that you don't believe in God as a reason for something that you're actually doing or trying to do in your life. And when you tell somebody that you don't believe in God because it's important that they should know that. This is, this is a really practical hint for a lot of you folks because you've been trying to figure out how to, how, how to, how to tell people in your life that, that this change is going to, and I'm telling you, like, do something because you're secular and then <laughs> explain that you're secular as the reason why you're doing that thing rather than telling people, hey, I don't believe in God. I, I really think this is going to work for you. And, and, and if you don't believe me, I mean, I practice this all the time, all over the place, but not the least of which is when I get in an Uber car, because I always end up talking to the driver and you, you know, and I, I guess it's easy for me because like, where are you going? I'm going to, I'm going to USC. What do you do there? I'm the secular chaplain. What does that mean? Well, you know what it means is, and, I, and I'm off to the races. So my title sort of gets me into it. 
but I don't need my title to get me into it. Like I can talk about, you know, the fact, you know, they, they often see me limp to the car and they're like, Oh yeah, my, what's wrong with your, your, your leg. And I ask my ankles, they're all shot up and they go like, yeah, really? And I go like, yeah, you know, I guess the thing is, is that, you know, they, they're, they're a constant reminder to me that like I'm mortal and that this life is the only one I have. And I guess what's weird is it makes me grateful for this stuff. And so I'm off to the races talking about the implications of being a naturalist, but I didn't, but I didn't say like, I want to tell you what I believe about the world. I'm, we're talking about my ankles. And we're talking about why I still like to watch basketball games, even though I can't play anymore. There's a way in which you can practice talking about secular humanism and identifying yourself as a person who pursues values and pursues goodness for a reason. There's a way you can do that that isn't creepy. Um, because it's simply you talking about why you do what you do and why you want what you want and why you're excited about what you're excited about instead of making it a theological discourse. So listen, I, like I, I'm probably belaboring this at this point. I, I, as always, I hear my sister Mary looking at me going, okay, wrap it up, kid. And, and she, you know, and, and, and I, I am, I'm going to wrap it up. But the, the, it, it just, just, Forgive me for repeating myself, but like the two things I'm trying to get across are number one is the first step towards building a fellowship is dreaming about it and starting to share that dream and talk about it with people and just say, hey, there's this thing. I don't even know if I can pull it off, but there's this thing I'm considering doing and here's why. And that then, then the more the, the broader application point is whether you're talking about starting a group or taking karate lessons or any number of other things, there's a way of talking about your life that lets you clue people in to the changes that have happened for you if you've, if you've changed in a positive way as a reason for a positive thing that you're doing. Um, and it's way less threatening and it's way more authentic. All right, that's it for today. Um, I got a whole list of topics to talk about in the how to start a fellowship, who to invite, what, where, to have it when you know why how like we will we will dig we will we will excavate this topic in uh, weeks to come on the bonus podcast and I'll, I'll make clear which ones are the bonus podcasts so that if you're not interested in this kind of stuff you can still get the cool conversation stuff all right all right i'll catch you next time on humanize me for more information about the work of bar campolo please visit barcampolo.org That's it for today. And you can turn this podcast off right now if you want to. But, and I mean that, you should turn it off right now. But at the end of my favorite podcast, WTF with Mark Marin, um, he always does something where like he plays guitar at the end. And it's just kind of the way he ends the podcast. And it's fun. 
And I was thinking, not of playing guitar or singing, I don't do any of those things, but I was thinking like, I'm always, I'm, I'm still working on this devotional idea and I'm gonna, that's gonna happen. But again, I don't have the help to do it right now. And I thought, you know, I should put just a little devotional thought at the end of these podcasts. And I thought like, you know what? I'm always trying to get people to read Robert Ingersoll. So what I'm gonna do is at the end of the podcast, after it's all over, if somebody wants to stick around, like at the end of the movie, if you want to stick around for like the special feature thing after the credits, you can stick around and I'm going to read you a little Ingersoll. So today I'm going to read something called Ingersoll's Vow. And here's how it goes. Ingersoll writes this. When I became convinced that the universe is natural, that all the ghosts and gods are myths, there entered into my brain into my soul, into every drop of my blood, the sense, the feeling, the joy of freedom. The walls of my prison crumbled and fell. The dungeon was flooded with light and all the bolts and bars and manacles became dust. I was no longer a servant, a serf or a slave. There was for me no master in all the wide world, not even an in infinite space. I was free, free to think, to express my thoughts, free to live to my own ideal, free to live for myself and those that I loved, free to use all my faculties, all my senses, free to spread imagination's wings, free to investigate, to guess and dream and hope, free to judge and determine for myself, free to reject all ignorant and cruel creeds all the inspired books that savages have produced and all the barbarous legends of the past, free from popes and priests, free from all the called and set apart, free from sanctified mistakes and holy lies, free from the fear of eternal pain, free from the winged monsters of the night, free from devils and ghosts and gods. For the first time I was free. There were no prohibited places in all the realms of thought, no air, no space where fancy could not spread her painted wings. No chains for my limbs, no lashes for my back, no fires for my flesh, no master's frown or threat, no following another's steps, no need to bow or cringe or crawl or utter lying words. I was free. I stood erect and fearlessly, joyously faced all worlds. And then my heart was filled with gratitude, with thankfulness, and went out in love to all the heroes, the thinkers who gave their lives for the liberty of hand and brain, for the freedom of labor and thought. To those who fell on the fierce fields of war, to those who died in dungeons bound with chains, to those who proudly mounted scaffold stairs, to those whose bones were crushed, whose flesh was scarred and torn, to those by fire consumed, to all the wise, the good, the brave of every land, whose thoughts and deeds have given freedom to the sons and daughters of men. And then I vowed to grasp the torch that they had held and hold it high 
that light might conquer darkness still. There you go. See you later.